Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Paul Listick Behind the Curtain, my opportunity to step away from the politics and law that I cover on the television side to talk about the world of entertainment. Now, often I'm doing Broadway shows and theatrical productions here. And this time we kind of, uh, well, we're in that world, but it's a little bit of a different spin. This one's a more magical world as we talk about the world of the Magic Parlor. And joining me is the master of the Magic Parlor, Dennis Watkins. You are a fixture in Chicago. Hi, Dennis. Good to see you again. Hey, Paul, it's good to see you, too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a while since we have talked. You were in a different home when last week, and I mean home for your show, uh, Mm -hmm. when we talked last time. So much has changed with you, except it's all about growing. Your your new show that's going on now, uh, Downstairs at Petarino's, tied to the Goodman Theater. I don't know if you read your reviews, but the reviews are stellar. And in fact, one review even said Houdini would be proud. Now, I thought that was one of the better review comments because it happened to be mine. Right, right, uh, right. But, you know, uh, but anyway, so for folks who are not familiar and saying, who is this guy? What's going on? Let's fill him in. You third generation magician. Tell us how you got to where you are today. You betcha. So the Magic Parlor is a show that has been running in Chicago in some form for the last 15 years. We started back in 2009 at the Chopin Theater down in Wicker Park. I was working with the House Theater of Chicago at the time to to launch the show. Were you downstairs with the pillars? That's right. Yeah, there's like in the Chopin Theater, there's a, a really cool little parlor space in the basement level with a tiny stage and a little bar in the back of the room. And we thought, heck, let's launch this magic show late night on Friday nights. And at that point, of course, we were also running Death and Harry Houdini, which is a big stage play in the upstairs theater. And so we would run that show. It was about two and a half hours long. We'd run from eight to ten thirty. And then I switch tuxedos and quickly run downstairs and perform the magic parlor for a smaller group of 40 to 60 folks downstairs. And it ran there at the Chopin for a couple of years before we tried to move it. And when we tried to move it, we thought, well, what would be a good place to to move this show so that it would continue to grow audience for both the magic show and for the house? And we, we stumbled into a meeting with the Palmer House and very quickly, we're able to set up a relationship and start the show there in 2011, I believe it was, New Year's Eve of 2011. And we ran there at the Palmer House, uh, broadening our schedule to be five shows a week for the better part of 12 years until September, when we shut down the show at the Palmer House in order to open our own venue called the Magic Parlor at 50 West Randolph, right at the corner of Randolph and Dearborn in partnership with Goodman Theater and Pedarinos. And so now the Magic Parlor has its own home, right? Uh, and it's a glorious thing. We get a, a beautiful place where we can do our show for 60 people at a time. Same close-up style magic, but I think a little bit of an elevated experience. And then we have another room where we can run our encore experience, which is sort of the add-on after show for guests who opt into it where we all sit around a card table with me for about 25, 30 minutes and do some really, really close-up magic. And so I have to tell you, of course, I saw you at the Magic Parlor in the Palmer House environment a, a few times. And um, and so when I heard you were moving, okay, I'm, 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 I like don't like change. And so for me, I, my reaction was, but no, the Palmer House, it's so cool. And But, but what I want to compliment you on and compliment 
probably Pedarinos and Goodman, is the fact that you have been able to create that same atmosphere. That That's what I loved about the Palmer House, was that environment you were in, and you've truly kind of just recreated it. It's a bigger space, but um, the warmth is still there. It doesn't feel like you're in a big theater or anything like that. You've maintained that intimate space. Right. That was really important to us. You know, the, the, the magic parlor has always been a close up magic experience and it's always been a, a magic show for a grown up audience where the audience is very much involved in the performance of the magic from the beginning to the end. And so it's really important to me when we launched this new venue that we were launching a venue that would, would create a product that was the same, where the audience was integral to the magic and where they were all right up uh, close and personal with the magic the whole darn time. And you're right on in that both Goodman Theater and Pedarinos um, should get some props for, for the way we're able to move into the space and take it over and redo it. Uh, but I also should say that Colette Pollard was my designer on that project, and I think she just knocked it out of the park. Oh, well, fair enough. And uh, yeah, space that, that really captures the, the uh, I think, the character that we were looking to create for the show when we had the opportunity to have our own home. So I will tell people one thing. Here's where I messed up. Um, because I knew there was a bar. Oh, I knew there was a bar, uh, yeah. before you went into the show. And of course, and the ticket prices, uh, include a drink. So you'll have a drink. You can get other drinks during the show. But what I didn't know was that there's also a pretty cool, like menu before you go into the show of just like meatballs. It's just, it's my kind of food. It's just really yes. tasty sort of food. Um, but, but here's the thing. Let's you, you you don't want the food in the show. So I really want to recommend that people get there maybe 45 minutes before the show. So you have time to order that food, sit, have your drink, sit at the bar, sit at a table and enjoy that food. Because I kind of didn't have enough time to do that. And I wish I did. Absolutely. It's one of the things as, as we move this venue, we get to talk to our audience in different ways and, and, and build different expectations. We have a beautiful, wonderful incredible restaurant partner in Pedorino's and they are providing light bites and appetizers uh, pre-show. So for the guests who get there early enough to do it, you've got some really great, you know, fried ravioli and flatbreads and olive plates and sliders and some just some, a great menu of, of wonderful light bites that you can dive into before the show. I thought what we would do is walk through each of your um magic tricks and talk about how you do it and and yeah, we'll um start, yeah we'll start from the top i'll explain them all to you no problem right let's just, <laughs> yeah and then we can be our own magicians yeah, uh, that's no, <laughs> well first of all look you you are not you didn't wake up uh, to be a magician and you tell this story of course in your show but you are third generation in your family so i don't know what there is about the watkins but but something go, goes back to your grandfather that just brought magic into your home and of course chicago i've come to learn now i'm a big magic fan i mean before i met you before i knew other venues i didn't really know what i as much as i know now not about how to do tricks but just about magic this is the home of close-up magic it all started here it most certainly is chicago has an incredibly rich magical history and some of the greatest close-up workers of our time are in chicago and were in chicago and you know there, there's some br wonderful beautiful venues in chicago for seeing magic today that didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago uh and i think that the magic scene here is just growing and blossoming on the shoulders of the people that were here before us the eugene burgers uh, of the world who were the greats who pioneered close-up magic here in chicago and you by the way i have not seen the episode you were on Penn and Teller's Fool Us. <laughs> I was. I was. I think it was season four, and I think they're on 10 now. So early yeah. in, in, the, in the life of Penn and Teller Fool Us, I did a lovely piece of card magic on that show. And boy, oh boy, was that a ball. Those two guys are great. And I think that the show that they have is really stellar for magic. Did Oh, yeah, I got to ask you. Did you fool them? Few people I didn't do. fool them, Paul. 
I didn't fool them. Uh, I, I, I wasn't convinced that I would going in there. I tried to make some changes. I did a classic piece of card magic and updated the method a little bit to see if I could throw them a curveball. But they knew exactly what was going on. Uh, those guys are brilliant magicians. Um, and it should be said that one of the things that I think is great about that show is that they give voice to a lot of different kinds of magicians. And I just mentioned Eugene Berger, uh, and he was a Chicago magician. He was the Dumbledore for, for those of us. They bring the him up. That's why I thought of Penn and Teller when you said that, because they talk about him. Right. And he always said there are many, many rooms in the house of magic, meaning there are a lot of different kind of magical voices. And when I went on Penn and Teller Fool Us, um, I went on with the knowledge that I don't think of myself as an inventor in the world of magic. I do invent magic and a lot of the magic in the magic parlor is my invention. But I'm a performer, a writer and an actor. And I went on there um, to share a piece of card magic, knowing that I'm not necessarily an inventor like the folks that typically fool Penn and Teller. But boy, oh boy, what a good time it was. Right. Yeah, I got to recently they were in Chicago and I got to spend uh, about 45 minutes with teller in his dressing room before oh, going on i thought what am i going to say so he doesn't talk but of course he does talk uh, <laughs> do i have to fill the whole 45 minutes with him or what <laughs> it, yeah i just yeah i kept talking uh, by the way so is the show is the trick that you did on their show is that in your current show it's not it, it wasn't in the set that you saw paul but it does rotate in and out of the show oh, um, okay. one of the great things that i think about the magic parlor is that guests can come back over and over again you know um there are certain pieces of material that I think are the 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 stalwarts, the backbone of the show, and those three or four pieces tend to be in most performances. But the, over the course of time, you know, the show's run for fifteen years. Uh, it's changed and it's grown and it's evolved. And there's only one piece of material in the show that I can think trace back to the beginning of the show. Uh, everything else is rotated in and out at some point. And that piece, actually, it's funny that you should ask because it's been a while since I performed that piece, and I was working on it this morning to put it back into the show so it'll be back in there shortly i love it and by the way you don't just we keep talking about table magic and the close-up and of course there is a lot of that but i don't know if this is a, a more recent area of magic that's grown the notion of mentalists and all that but you do that too and uh, and so your 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 um show it's a variety of forms of magic it's not just cards on a table for 90 right. minutes i mean you're doing a variety of things that's right. And while I'm someone who can watch cards on a table for 90 minutes, I don't think most audiences are. So it's important that we do that, right? We, we change the magic and we try to, I try to, I call the show an intimate evening of classic magic. And the goal, um, with the show, of course, is to, to win the audience over to a place of childlike wonder, but also to share a wide range of magic. Um, one of the things that I think is great about Penn and Teller's show is that it shows the world that there's a lot of different kinds of magic and a lot of different kinds of artistic voices in the world of magic. And if you're going to come to the magic parlor and see 90 minutes of magic, I think we should give you a broad taste of it, right? I think you should see a lot of the things that are classics in the world of magic that make me fall in love with magic and that have kept me in love with magic for my whole life. What is there, you know, Penn and Teller make no, or at least Teller makes, uh, sorry, Penn makes no uh, uh, question that he's not a fan of mentalism and all that. I happen to love the mentalism stuff. And and, and I, I'm curious, I mean, look, the, some of the stuff you do uh, in your show, I, I don't want to give tricks away. I want people to enjoy it. But the fact that you, in, in not giving it away, the fact that you can bring somebody up from the audience who at least a, seems to be a random person in terms of how they've gotten there. They've given you a uh -huh. number different things. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what you're doing. That doesn't make it random, but then to ultimately have that thing end with, with a, a, a reality that you knew exactly who that person was and is, and, and it blows everybody away. I mean, you sit there and you just hear people in the audience going, Oh no way. What, you know, that goes on throughout your whole show. 
But to me, a lot of that goes into the mentalism thing. What is it that, why don't they like mentalism? Is it because if we knew how you did it, we'd be going, oh, that's really simple? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that I can speak for Penn, but I know that uh, I, there, there was a lot, when I was growing up, my granddad's friends and colleagues were all magicians and mind readers and things like that. And I was far more attracted to the world of magic than mentalism. Um, however, as I've gotten older and as I performed more and more shows for more and more audiences, I found that the, 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 the world of magic that lives in what magicians call mentalism is really deep for people. People love it. Um, you, yourself, that, that, that material is really powerful. And I think that when we, when we watch sleight of hand, as grown-up audiences, we're willing to invest in it imaginatively, right? And suspend our disbelief. But at the end of the day, we know we're suspending our disbelief, right? We know that uh, the magician standing in front of you can't really take a coin and make it dematerialize and vanish. We know that there's something going on there. But when we watch a good mentalist, a good mind reader, we may jump into it going, well, we know that this is all tricks and lies, but we find a place where we start to question that assertion in our own imagination. Uh, and I think it's there's just something wrapped up in that kind of material that lets grown-ups invest more fully in the imaginative experience. Uh, they go home and they know that I can't really read their minds, but there's a moment there. There's a moment in that show where I think you're willing to just go a little bit deeper. And I love that. I love it. Yeah, very much so. And 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 the thing is, I think when it comes to the, the table magic and the, the cards and all of that, if you're people like, and I think most people probably do what I do, we're all following you. Where's the, we know you're doing sleight of hand. We just got to find it. And so we're watching and we're doing and we're moving and whatever. And there's a, another part of your show I'm going to mention in a moment where we really get a lot of that, but I never catch you doing it. But I go home with the satisfaction of saying, I didn't catch him, but I know that's what he did. Whereas the mentalism stuff, I am just clueless as to you know how you 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 identify somebody's identity I just stuff that I, that I just there's no way that, you know are there like do you have secret people are there people that's what I'm thinking there's some people think <laughs> you gather information I actually had somebody would say okay they do homework ahead of time on people who are coming to the show so he knows exactly who's oh, there and let me tell you I do 400 shows a year. I do not, and I have two young children. I do not have time for that nonsense, nor do I do it. I'm not, I, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I, I don't begrudge anyone for doing it that way, but that, that certainly doesn't live in my, uh, my vocabulary. Okay. <laughs> I w- well, you would have no life if that's really what that's you spend right. your time doing and having to look it up. Um, so you move over, we go in and we have this 90 minute show. Um, things have changed since the magic parlor and when it was at the Palmer house, because I, I was seeing different things, but you do have some cameras. So we get to see different views in what you're doing. All that's important too. You also do a thing. Again, how do you not give things away? But you do a thing which one, you know, there's sort of these random numbers coming at you. And as the show goes on and at more than one time in the show, that number just comes back and it like wasn't random at all, or at least there <laughs> it couldn't have been random. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. People who don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go see the show at the magic parlor to get blown away like everybody else is when you go in and out. But you do all of that. But what I love, is when we get that, you talked about that post-show, that add-on that we can do afterwards. Because what happens is there's only 60 people in the room, but most people leave. And then you keep up, was it maybe about 20 people, 15, 20, it's not that many, that stay for yeah, the after show. That's right. About 20. So yeah, yeah it's just, you're, you're, you're all pretty much around one table. A couple of people can sit back who don't want to 
probably sit there, you know, they're nervous or whatever. But that's when you do, I to me, a lot of that's almost like the old fashioned, but you make it old fashioned because one of the first things you do, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you pull out what is known as the classic shell game. Everybody knows the shell game. We get hit with it in New York streets and everything. And, and you, you do, you always say you're, you're not going to do well. And even if you remember, there was a moment when you asked my partner, like, okay, where's the thing, whatever. And he said the wrong thing. And, and I went, I, you heard me say, I went, it's under two because I saw it. I saw what you did and you heard me and you went, Oh, Paul, it's under two. And of course, I'm wrong too. So it just, that's the most amazing stuff when I swear I'm watching you closely. Man, I think so too. The encore room is what we call that experience. Encore. Because we just moved to a little the different space, happens right after the show, all around one big round table. And I have to tell you that from the day we launched that experience, it, it became my, my very favorite part of the night. I love the, the magic parlor and I, I, and, and certainly it is a, it is a great full length show, but, but my favorite part of the night is when we take those 20 people and we sit around the card table and we get to just play for half an hour and do the kind of magic that my granddad used to do and the kind of close up work that made me fall in love with the art in the first place, right? Um, and it is really close up. It is really intimate and the audience really gets to drive that part of the show in ways that I think are just Super exciting. If your grandfather sat in the magic parlor today, if he was here to watch you, would he say, hey, Dan, how are you doing that stuff? Or would he say, oh, Dennis, you've learned well what I taught you? Well, I, I think there'd be a little bit of both. You know, I, I think, first of all, he'd be really proud that there's so much of him in the show. Um, and one of the things that I've tried to do is to, to make sure that he is, uh, that his heart is in that show from the beginning to the end. I really think it is. And I think he would love that. Um, that being said, I think there's some magic in it that, um, that, that, that would knock his socks off. I think there's some stuff in it that he wouldn't quite, uh, know how happened right, right out of the gate. Um, and I, I, I would be thrilled to share it with him. Uh, I, I like to believe that he is seeing it every Friday, every single Abs- day. Right? Absolutely. Um, uh, but I do think there's a nice mix of magic that came directly from him and magic that, uh, was very much inspired by him, right? That maybe he wouldn't be able to explain if he saw it. So would a typical magician, you know, again, it's, it's kind of the pen and teller fool me thing. When they do determine almost everybody's act, they, they, they'll throw names in. They, in other words, everything seems to go back to master magicians and what so-and-so did and what so-and-so did. So even when you develop your own tricks or you do things, do, do you too, do you have classic people in your mind and you're saying, well, this is a different take on what Berger did or on what somebody did? A lot of it, yeah, you know, and I talk about this a little bit in the show. If you're going to be a magician, there are only so many ways that you can pretend to have magical powers, <laughs> right? You can make things appear. You can make them disappear. You can destroy them and put them back together. You can make them float. You can make them teleport. You can read someone's mind. There are, there, there are only so many different powers that we can pretend to have. Um, in my show, I like to pretend to have all of them, right? Uh, because I think if you're going to be able to be a magician, you might as well be able to experience having all of the powers. But yes, there, there there are only so many things that you can do. So there are only so many different ways you, you can tear up a dollar and put it back together. There are only so many ways that you can rearrange the beats of a, a piece of card magic to make them exciting. So I do exactly what you say. Like I look backwards to the greats. Um, when my granddad passed away, I inherited a huge uh, collection of books and journals and things like that that belonged to him both as a performer and as the uh, proprietor of a magic shop uh, that I look to. I, I like to find ideas that are so old they've been forgotten. 90% of the time we have to update the methods to make them more my own or something like that. But yeah, we look back to the works 
of the greats. And we talked about it a minute ago. Chicago is the home of close-up magic. And so many of the great close-up magical performers um, that, that we know of, who, whose work has inspired the work that's happening on Chicago stages right now, uh, we, we stand on the shoulders of those giants, yeah. right? We, we are inspired by them and we still look to them to, to drive the, the invention and the innovation in the field. By the way, one of the other things I love about the Encore show is, I mean, look, I've known you for a while and I've seen your show. I just like you so much. And getting to spend that extra time with you in the Encore show, it's also the opportunity for people who really admire Dennis Watkins. We learn a little bit more about your history. You tell some stories about your granddad, you know, things that you don't tell in the bigger show. And I get a feeling that even in the Encore show, you kind of have a moment of comfort. And so you're sitting with friends and you're willing to share a bit about personal things in your life, like when your granddad, you know, had a stroke, that, that, those kinds of stories. That's what I'm talking about. Certainly, certainly. And, you know, there is a part of that encore experience, um, that is a, a, a brief sort of, uh, conversation, right? A Q and A a little bit with, yeah. with folks who stick around. And I think that, you know, I, as a former, I get to meet 400 audiences every year. Uh, but, I, but, I don't get to sit and chat with everybody, right? I don't get to know everybody in the audience and I want to, right? I mean, this is one of the things that I love about my work. And, you know, I, I had somebody the other day at the show ask me, well, why aren't you, why aren't you doing uh, TV specials and things like that? And the answer is because I like to be in the room with people. I'm, I'm a much better performer uh, for a group of people than I am for a group of cameras. And I'm more comfortable there. And what I, what ignites me, what, what, what excites me about, working with real audiences is being in the same room. So I love that chance to just get around, uh, sit around the table and chat and learn to know a little bit about my audience and to let the audience know a little bit about the person behind the show. I think as we get, uh, as, as entertainment buyers continue to grow more savvy because options grow constantly, one of the things that people want is to know a little bit more about the art that they're experiencing. And, and what I love is you, you call on people all the time. You use their name. You remember their name. Um, and I think that really, that also says, you know, it's not like you, you, you call somebody, okay, your name is Bob, whatever. And then five minutes later, I, what's your name? You know, but, but you let people know they are important to you because you remember who they are. And when they showed up at the encore table afterwards, you remembered who they are. I think that's very, whether you'd remember them three weeks from now, I don't know. But at that moment, I think it's really beautiful. During the pandemic, you had to figure out a way to do zoom shows to deal with the audiences i mean that that would life change for everybody so this is kind of like that moment and we can talk about magic all the time i've tried to have a conversation with you maybe a little bit different than you know the folks who interview you to just say you know just talk about your show when i get to know you a little bit but can you do a little i mean here we are you can do a little something here that you had to do during the zoom world absolutely paul absolutely i would be thrilled to so let's Amaze do a little me. we're gonna do a little something with a pack of cards okay Paul, I'm going to swap cameras here so that you can see nice and close. Here we go. Perfect. Little All right. pack of cards. Now, if we were in the same space, I would naturally ask you to reach in the pack and take one of these cards. Yeah. You can't do that. So you just get to decide which one we use. There are 52 of them, of course. Which one would you like? Should I tell you? Yeah. Nine of spades. Nine of spades. All right. Where is that nine of spades? It's the other way. There we go. It's right in the There's middle there, kind of. Right there. Right there yeah. in the middle. It's a good choice, Paul. It's a very good choice. I Paul? thought so. Also, if we were in the same room, I would have you write your name on that card. You can't do that uh, okay. from where you are, so I can do it for you. But I could also mark it a different way. I could draw a picture. I could write a word. How would you like me to mark your card? With a little schnauzer face. 
little schnauzer for, like that you're speaking of the dog a schnauzer you yeah. overestimate my 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 drawing uh, abilities but I, I'll, oh, I'll a little try. couple of couple of triangles for an ear rounded out triangle the beginning you're good ears, to go this triangle triangle little eyes i'm gonna give you that's a little, it gonna look a little bit more like a cat maybe that's it but, that's how i do uh, it we're good and, and some whiskers does that does perfect that fit the does that that uh Fit the bill. Does you're a better artist than you realize. All right, terrific. So this is you. This is your schnauzer here. Like, oh, bring it yeah. in, right? That's you. Yes. In spades. Now we talked about this in the show. My granddad ran a magic shop in Texas for 30 years, and I used to spend my Saturdays in that shop. And one Saturday, I remember this. He had someone take a card and write their name on it. My granddad put that card about halfway into the pack. He made a couple of quick cuts because that's how we often start these sorts of things. And then he said to the guy who took the card, he said, "Now." I'm going to find your card in the most astonishing manner. And this guy, he was kind of a heckler. He was not terribly polite. He says, okay, listen, before you do that, I want to shuffle. And my granddad said, okay. And he gave the guy the cards. And the guy said, before I shuffle, you need to turn around and look the other way. And my granddad said, all right, fine. And he looked the other way. And when he did, this guy took half the pack and he flipped them face up so that half the cards are looking this way, half the cards are looking that way, Right. Yeah. He takes those two halves of the pack, Paul, and very quickly he just he shuffles them into each other, just like that, giving us a mess of a deck of cards, right? right. Some looking down and in, some looking up and out, like that ten of spades. I'm sure some are these are back to back, some might be face to face, right? It was a disaster. He squared everything up. He made sure that a face down card was on top, and he said, Okay, old man, find my card. And my granddad said, Sir, you wanted to shuffle because you think that I'm a cheat, but I'm not a cheat. A cheat has to touch them. He said, I am a magician. And that's all I did, Paul. And then that guy picked up the cards and he spread them across the table. And as he spread them, we saw that every single one had corrected its position except a single solitary oh. card. Paul, nicely done. Oh, do you see what I'm, I'm saying? I'm wa- People watching you, whatever, I... You did something. <laughs> not much, I, though. Not much. Really, it was you, Paul. It was you. you and when I, see you, when I see you next, please save the Schnauzer card for me. You bet I will. I'll, I'll keep this for you. So I, I will ask you this. Is, that a, is there something about that? Could I have given you a deck of cards to do that? Or is there oh, no- absolutely. Absolutely. That's got uh, nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with the cards. I, I mean, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a piece of card magic, so it, it requires cards. Uh, but but it's an ordinary pack of cards. It could be a borrowed pack of cards. And in fact, all of what I do in the world of card magic is, is that kind of card magic. By the way, at the beginning of your show, I again, not giving anything away, but you do ask somebody in the audience to give you a dollar if they can. And I went to my wallet and I had a hundred dollar bill and I actually pulled out. Thank God you ignored me, but had but had I given you I, and of course you do all sorts of things to it. In the end, it was happy, but had you taken my hundred, would I also have been happy when it was over? You would have been very happy, Paul. Very okay. happy. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have been gotten, I, I wouldn't have gotten a one back or something like that. No, no, no. You'd have gotten that hundred dollars back. Okay. <laughs> Even after you tore it up, you would have gotten it back all put together and everything. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. So, so that's why people have to see this just because the amazement factor is amazing. And but I'm guessing this is how you got started. You're, and you're also third generation, so your dad was a magician. Well, not my dad, my uncle. Your my uncle. my okay. dad was just was was very shy. Never wanted to be on stage, and and wasn't never wanted to be a performer. My uncle, on the contrary, did want to be a performer. He is an actor. He runs the Atlanta Shakespeare Company nowadays. Uh, but he spent 
uh, a couple decades supporting himself as a professional magician right out. Of so school. had you grown up as a Jewish kid in the suburbs, you would have been had to have been a lawyer or a doctor. How were your parents when you said, I'm going to go in uncle and grandpa's shoes? They were surprisingly okay with it. You know, we had magicians <laughs> in my family, so I think they knew what it would look like. Um, and, and they didn't have the, the panic that perhaps most parents should when their kid says, hey, I want to do card tricks for a living. <laughs> and have you... Has magic, is it full time, always been full time for you or their time? Well, I was a car dealer salesman and I was also doing magic on the side, you know? No, I mean, I think like, like most, most artists, you know, I moved to Chicago, uh, to start a small theater company with friends from school. And as most theater artists, you know, I did wait tables early on in my life here, uh, in Chicago. Uh, but it has been full time magic for me for the last 18 or so years. Are you always learning new tricks? Are you always looking? Do you watch Fool Us? Do you watch oh the Penn God. and Teller show? Yes, I watch magic anytime I get the chance. You know, um, I, I think magic is a really unique and exciting art form, and I love it. As an audience, I find it incredibly gratifying to to be fooled, uh, to experience mystery in a way that I don't in my daily life. So I watch a lot of magic, and it's always fun for me when I don't know how it works for like a minute or two, and then I'm really mad about it. But uh, it's fun. It's a joy for me. Yeah. When I came to your show, you had a, a friend there who was also a magician, car, a card whiz, and and um, oh, yes. yeah, he was there. And and I asked him how you did the tricks. He told me, so that's why I'm good with this. Oh, but great. No, <laughs> but no, when when you're with another magician, I mean, uh, be it a friend, whatever. Do you share? Do you sort of say, "Let me show how how I did this one. You show me yours," or is it just something magicians do not do? No, we do it. We do. Uh, you know, and, and I don't think I don't think you can really develop your your materials uh, uh, thoroughly without being able to bounce it off people who who have an idea of what happens behind the scenes, right? Um, I can show magic to my family all day long. And at some point you just have to say, okay, this is how it works. This is what you need to watch for. And they don't like that. People don't like that. Like that. But magicians do. And, 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 and we, can, we can work on material. Now, naturally, we hold some things back. Always hold something back. Right? If your kids uh, cry and scream and say, daddy, how did you do that? Will you tell them so that they get quiet? I don't know. We haven't quite gotten there yet. They're only, <laughs> one is four and the other one is four months. So they're not, they're not quite there yet. Uh, but when they do, I, you know, they, they get you, your children get you to do all kinds of things you never thought you'd do. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> I'm going to have to, when your kids get older, let me just spend a few minutes with them if I can. Yeah, okay, have a conversation. The show is amazing. The, the website, we need to say that the magic parlor, Chicago.com. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. I was reading your face. I was trying to watch you like a magician. The Magic Parlor, Chicago.com. A great environment downstairs of, of Penaritos next to the Goodman Theater in conjunction with the Goodman Theater. And the designer again, give a shout out to her. Colette Pollard. Colette Pollard. Team. Great work. Get there. Get there early so you can have some light bites. Stay for the show. Do the encore. You got to do the encore. And then afterwards, you even took a picture with me. Did I think I'll post? Thank you for that. Oh, thanks for that. Go ahead. All right. Dennis Watkins, the magic parlor, one of our city's greatest magicians. You keep that magic world alive. And I thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. I'll see you soon. All right. Great to see you.